You're listening to Roots with South Asian today. This podcast is being recorded in Australia on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to the elders, past, present and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Roots with South Asian today. My name is Dilpreet and I'm very excited for our guest Shani Danda. She is the founder of the Asian Women Festival, a first of its kind in the UK to be specially curated for South Asian women. The festival is a jam-packed day of panel talks, workshops, art exhibitions, live performances, festival bazaar and much much more. A very warm welcome Shani. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. First of all, Shani, I must congratulate you on starting the Asian Women Festival. It looks incredible. Thank you. Thank you. It's definitely a labor of love. It's something that I enjoy not only founding but being part of as well. And it, you know, it allows me to connect with people all around the world like you. So, here we are. <laughs> Indeed. Could you walk me through why and how the idea for the festival first hit you? I'm a Sikh Punjabi woman living in England in in the West Midlands who and we're a very multicultural place in England we have a huge Punjabi community as well as Pakistani uh, Bangladeshi I was looking to meet like-minded Asian women I was just surrounded with people that were valuing a woman's worth on the fact of them getting married or having kids and i thought this can't it can't just be me that thinks we can't value women just on that fact alone so i started to to try and look at maybe you know events that were happening or any groups and i i really couldn't find anything and the only thing that i could find were events like asian wedding fairs the like way you'd go to book a wedding venue or like where you'd go and buy a sari and I was like I'm not interested in any of that and <laughs> right and I'm sure there are other women out there that like what if they've already done that or what if or like me they're not interested in that maybe not now or not ever like whatever so I I just kind of thought well this is just reinforcing that stereotype that Asian women are just seen as objects for marriage and making babies so where can we actually go and meet so my background is in event management and i thought well if anyone has the right skills to do this and set up uh, an event for asian women to come and meet then it's me so off i went uh, and and thought maybe you know maybe 200 people would come and we actually had uh, over 1000 people on the day but you know it was after many months of hard work in addition to all of my other things that i do really pulling in a lot of favors uh uh but yeah it was it was definitely worth it definitely worth it i'm sure and it definitely goes on to show that there are women around us who want to explore their lives beyond the ideas of just sarees and weddings <laughs> absolutely but you know like me they just didn't have that space to come together because that space didn't exist so it's a huge honor to be able to not only create you know an annual festival but to bring together now which is an international community and we're not just a community of women but also their allies so we have seen a huge growth in men interacting with our content and and um at, at our festival 
we had so many different people. They weren't just South Asian. You know, we had grandparents. We had people of all different faiths and cultures because we can't change the narrative of just speaking to South Asian women. We have to speak to all of our allies and everybody else that that exists with us too. 100%. So the festival might just be in the UK, but you do have a reach outside of it too. Was having a global audience one of the purposes when you first began? No, absolutely not. Started with very modest aims and objectives, I have to say. I, I'm being totally honest, I thought, you know what, I'll do this first event and I'll see how it goes. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to put any pressure on myself and say it has to be this or it's going to be an annual event. But once we achieved the first festival, I soon realised that I had a huge responsibility to continue this and it's what people wanted. And, you know, people travelled from abroad to come to the first ever festival. So we had people come from as far as Singapore, to, you know, to the UK, just, just for this festival. And it wasn't until the, the festival started and I sat there in the audience next to my mom and I just burst out in tears. I was like, Aww. oh my God, it's it's happening, it's now. It's like all this month, months of work has accumulated to this and, and people came and people came in huge numbers and... Um, so yeah, definitely, you know, it was not meant to be a global community, but we're so happy that it has been. You believed in it, you gave it a shot, and it was fortunately a huge success. So I'm curious to learn if you ever felt not supported by other creatives and leaders in the lead up to launching the festival. Was there a moment when you thought, oh, this this might not work? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is a really good question because I think sometimes you only ever see the outcome of things and we don't really understand the journey of how you know that got to be it's everything that takes place behind the scenes that people don't really see they only see the outcome so yes it wasn't an easy road it wasn't an easy journey essentially it was an entirely new concept it was a new brand people that I was talking to unfortunately especially men were like why do you need this why do Asian women need this so not only was I having to sort of pitch an entirely new concept, I was having to educate people as well, people that I didn't think I would have to educate. And it was difficult because I didn't get any sponsorship, although I tried relentlessly. Um, and I ended up self-funding the t- entire festival. And it, it literally felt like I was planning my own wedding reception. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm very fortunate that I have a job that allowed me to have savings that allowed me to put them into the festival so I do want to really make clear that it was a huge financial risk I literally put my money where my mouth was but I felt so strongly about this and you know if 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 it didn't work it didn't work and I would have taken that loss um but I'm a person who is a really strong believer in if you don't try then you'll never know and you know I tried and I I've gained massively from this from connecting with so many like-minded women from creating a global community but yeah the, the road to that it was definitely bumpy now we've got the first festival under our belt now we've just hit a huge milestone of 20k following on instagram we've got a hugely successful website and blog we now have things to demonstrate and to to show to people when we're going to to approach them for support 
Yes, that was my next question. I can see the festival's Instagram has reached 20,000 followers. Is a large following on social media something that you consider a goal? How much does it personally matter to you? I think what really matters to me is always quality over quantity in, in anything that I do. Like, there's really no point in having a lot of followers if they're not engaged, if they're not getting anything out of the content, if they're not learning anything from our platform. And I can wholeheartedly say that that isn't the case with us. Yes, it's important that we have, you know, a following, but what we don't want is people to not engage with what we're doing because we're being trusted to share people's stories, you know, really personal stories of them either you know they, it could be from being disowned by their family it could be uh, their journey of infertility it could be you know something really triggering something really traumatic and we have to guard that and reassure people that we are the, the platform that they can safely do that with so to me we have created a community of supportive encouraging and again I'm going to use a word like minded women and not only women but allies and that is the most paramount thing that's important to me um and don't get me wrong you know as with anything online we have to moderate some comments we've had to remove some people from the platform but that just goes to show that we do have a good reach and we are making it a safe space not only at our events but also online i guess in order to really sum up having a huge following it's not the be all and end all but what is important is that we have an engaged community which we absolutely do have absolutely and we do live in this digital age where social media really is a massive tool of communication and i feel your following is also a data point it tells you insights and helps you tailor your future goals yeah and you know I, i'm going to be really honest here our main offering used to be a festival and then covid came and uh kind of scuppered the plans for that this year so unfortunately we we weren't able to go ahead with this amazing festival that we'd planned for our second year um so we did have to look at ways of connecting with our community online and 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 still keeping that conversation going despite the pandemic despite you know social distancing so we have had to um relook at our strategy but we are really looking forward to when it is safe to um reorganizing our festival have you considered doing the festival online we have so we've explored lots of different options but we decided to not replicate the festival online because it's just wouldn't be the same and ugh, i can't describe the atmosphere the buzz the electricity the vibe like if anyone wants to read any feedback from people that left us feedback from the first festival, like that's all on our website, but we know we just wouldn't be able to recreate that. And that is what we want to do. Right. Shani, I see you're also the founder of Asian Disability Network. And I understand the stigma around disability in South Asian communities can be massive. Is that something you think is changing? I think it's changed around mental health, but I don't think it's changed for many other things. That's due to a lot of reasons, but I guess just to sort of explain, so I set up the Asian Women Festival because it's something that I wish existed. I set up the Asian Disability Network again because it's something that I wish existed. And I know that both of these platforms 
are going to help people because these are platforms and, and networks and communities that I was looking for that were there but they didn't have a collective space to come together so we were just all people being lonely in silos and I've just essentially created a vehicle to help bring people together and and with disability it's a topic that nobody ever wants to talk about generally whether you're South Asian or not because people are very fearful they're afraid that they're going to offend someone they're afraid they're going to say the wrong thing and generally as a society wherever you are in the world we have very low or negative perceptions about disability and disabled people which makes us have huge misconceptions about Um, the experience of disability it makes us have huge misconceptions about people's ability and their needs and desires then that trickles into service provision for disabled people and then when you layer on multiple identities such as you know ethnicity or sexuality then that creates even more inequality so for me I'm using my experience of not being represented, feeling, you know, disadvantaged or discriminated against. I'm challenging that. I'm sharing those stories through myself, through other people that I know in a similar situation because I don't want future generations to have to go through the same things as me. And, you know, being really honest, I'm 33 years old and there's not been enough change in the South Asian community on the topic of disability. And it's sad and it's not right. And if we don't start talking about it, if we don't start addressing it, then nothing's going to happen. Nothing will change. Hmm. How do you suggest allies can help destigmatize the taboos around disability? Do you have any tips for those who are listening? I think, again, that's a really good question. I think, first and foremost, we all have to educate ourselves. We all have to really understand the reality of what it's like to live with a condition or an impairment. Anything that you do, really interrogate, am I being representative? Is everybody that we live in society with here around this table? Wow, kudos to you, Shani. I am so thankful for all your work and I can imagine the effort behind it because when I came to Australia three years ago from India, I found no media outlets for South Asian women or non-binary folks and that's why I decided to launch South Asian today. It's a lot of work, but there's also this thrill and sense of achievement like we discussed earlier. So before you go, I just wanted to ask you, if you had to define representation in a single sentence, what would you say? having a presence and not having to fight for that presence it's being represented in a way where whoever you are whatever your identity is it's acknowledged as the representation of society so you know for example like in the UK in all of the advertising for example out of let's say 10,000 people only one or two of those people will have a disability whereas we know one in five people in the UK are disabled So you can clearly see the lack of representation there. I bang down doors and build tables and chairs uh, all day, every day, you know, about representation and inclusion. But for me, I think that the true meaning of representation really is where I don't have to do that, where everybody else is thinking of those other people that aren't there and that do need that representation. And it's really important because, you know, growing up, I never saw anyone of colour on my screen who had a visible condition or impairment and 
you know, I'm a massive believer that you can't be what you can't see. Mm, you can't be what you can't see. On that note, Shani Danda, everybody, founder of the Asian Woman Festival, we wish you the very best for all upcoming ventures. Thank you so much for taking out the time to speak with us. Oh, thank you so much. It's a, it's a great honor and, and really good luck with Savannah today. To stay tuned with all our upcoming episodes, subscribe to our Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or give us a visit on www.southasiantoday.com.au.